All right, well, um, John, um, if you don't have a journal, you can pick one up at Connect Central as well. We've been going through the series, The Good News According to John, and uh, I think we're in week, week five, if you've been following along, and uh, it, it's really cool. So this week, you're going to be reading John chapter 10, 11, and 12, and there is an amazing story in, in here that we're going we're gonna to jump into today in John chapter 11. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open to John chapter 11. John 11, it's the story about Lazarus. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to be in that story today. I'll jump around a little bit and really just want to talk ab- about kind of two statements that have really changed my relationship with, with God. And um, in John chapter 10, though, there's this really cool, Jesus says this, really interesting phrase. He says, the enemy has come to still kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life to the full. And um, being a college basketball fan, all I could think about was the NCAA bracket. (laughs) The enemy has come to still kill and destroy, but we have come to say KU is the best and going to win the NCAA tournament, right? Uh, I am a huge Kansas fan, and you will find that out about me, and uh, so unabashedly so. So I'm sorry if you're an Arizona ASU fan, you know, okay, I love them, I cheer for them every once in a while, but at the end of the day, they're my enemy, right? Um, You know, I was thinking about the NCAA tournament, and what's really cool, so there's 68 teams in this tournament, and how many teams lose? 67. 67 of those 68 teams go home disappointed, right? And um, every year it feels like KU is one of the first ones to go home disappointed <laughs> because there's so much riding on it, and, and, and that's probably part of my, my heartache and my pain. And, and we're going to talk about that today a little bit, uh, but there's, um, I, I, whenever it comes to tournament time and I start seeing it, watching these games, I can't help but thinking, like, maybe I could have been there. Right? Maybe, because I loved basketball when I was growing up. And uh, yet you're like, you're a skinny, short, white guy. Like, you wouldn't have been there, right? But trust me, the tournament makes people like Ali Farokmanesh, this short little five foot ten guy from University of Northern Iowa, drains a three and sends KU packing, right? And, and I, I could have been that guy that blocked the shot, right? <laughs> maybe, or maybe I just could have, you know, guarded him or something or, or came back and won, won the game. But I, I start thinking about, like, maybe that could have been me, right? Have you ever thought about that? Like, man, if, if I would have just stayed in that a little bit longer. Um, and I was about sixth or seventh grade, it was actually the summer before seventh grade, uh, and I was kind of wrestling with, with this decision. Do I keep playing basketball or do I kind of stop and play soccer? And uh, for me, I, I loved both, both sports, and, um, and it was about, about the season, and, and I ordered these basketball shoes. Yeah, you're about ready to see. You're like, what is in the box? Air Jordans. Anybody? Yeah? Yeah, vintage. These are like 17 years old. So, um, so I ordered these, and, and I got the shoes, and I, I wore them, and I, I practiced um, for the team, but it was, it was, the soccer season was ending, so I was like, I gotta focus on soccer right now, and so I, I put the shoes back in the box, and I, I put them in my closet, and then a couple months later, about three months later, I got them back out. They didn't fit. 
by pain and agony. Even, even 17 years ago, these things were, were expensive, right? And, um, and it, was right, it wasn't just the shoes, but it was right about that time I just felt like, oh, man, I'm, I'm just going to keep playing soccer. I'm not going to play basketball anymore. And, and the, the dream that I had, and we have these dreams, right, these childhood dreams, and they don't work out like we expect them to. And we, we have this disappointment and this challenge in our life. And Jesus says something later in John. It's a promise to us. It's really interesting. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And I, I think it's so interesting because Jesus is identifying what it means to be human. Pain and loss are part of the human experience. You can't avoid it. It's going to happen. Because in order to do a new thing, in order to play soccer, I had to give up my dream of basketball. See that? In order for something else to come out of a new season, of a new dream, something else kind of has to, has to die. And, and we experience this all the time, the pain and loss. And, and sometimes it's a death of a loved one, right, which is extremely painful. Sometimes it's just the death of a dream, death of a season of life, which is natural, right? Summer ends, and then fall comes, and then all the leaves fall off the trees. Well, not here, but in Kansas, where I grew up, all the leaves would fall off the trees, and then winter would be like this death, right? And where it's just cold and windy, and um, not very white in Kansas, but it was cold and windy. And, um, and then spring came out of that. But then death of a relationship, which is painful. Or this, death of a plan. Any planners in the room? It just doesn't go according to what I planned. And a lot of times we try to sidestep the pain and the loss, right? We try to just go around it, ignore it. If you're like me, just if it's not useful, I'm not going to dive into the emotion. I'm just going to go right past it. And I've done this many seasons of my life without really grieving the loss of basketball, right, or that dream. But it always gives way to an, an something else. But then inevitably in our lives, if you think about what, think about the four to five most important moments of your life where you've changed significantly. And if you're like me, most of those are through painful experiences. I've experienced hurt and loss, grief, loss of a loved one, loss Loss of a dream or of a plan. Loss of an identity. And it's part of the human experience. And that's what we see in the story of Lazarus. John chapter 11. And I'm just going to kind of summarize the story a little bit. But Jesus is with his disciples. And his friend, Lazarus, is sick. Like really sick. Sick enough that you would send somebody a, two, a, a long journey and say, Jesus, somebody is sick. It's your friend. Your friend Martha and Mary and your friend Lazarus, they're, they're mourning because Lazarus, it's getting really serious, right? He's about to die. And Jesus waits two days. 
Have you ever felt like you've waited on God? Have you ever felt like there's a season where it's like, come on, come on, get here quicker, get here faster. I need you. I'm in the season and I need you right now. It's, it's like the pain is right around the corner and I know it. I'm sick, right? Jesus waits two days. And by the time he goes to Bethany, it's a two-day journey. By the time he goes to Bethany, Lazarus has been dead for four days. At what point do you give up hope, right? If you're Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus is sick, we sent word to Jesus, Jesus, you've done all these awesome things to this point, right? You've turned water into wine. That's pretty cool, <laughs> right? You, um, you healed a blind man. Do you want to get well? He encountered this woman caught in adultery, and he gave her light and hope. Like, he's done some really cool things. But you can get the feeling like everything's on the line at this point in the story. There's this momentum up to this point. And Jesus even says to his disciples, we, we got to go back to Bethany. He waited two days and said, you know, it's time to go. And they said, no, no, no. Like, they just tried to stone you. They're going to kill you. And Jesus says, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> We've got we to go back. And I think Jesus knew that this would be the moment that turned the story into the Pharisees were all out ready to kill him. And we see here in John, from here moving forward, you're going to see the last kind of days of Jesus' life, starting with this story, because they were so enraged with what happened in this story. So Jesus makes it to Bethany. Do you give up on one day, two days, three days? They said the soul left the body at three days, right? Lazarus is dead. Four days? And Jesus gets to Bethany, and Martha runs to meet him. I, I can think of a ton of things I would have said to Jesus in that point, right? But I love this line that Martha says to Jesus. And this is the first of two, two phrases that in this story that have completely changed my perspective of faith. She says, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Seems like a weird statement. But how many times in your life have you said, if only? God, if only. If only we could have stayed together just a little bit longer. Like, if only she wouldn't have had that affair. If only I wouldn't have made that decision at that moment when I was vulnerable, right? If only I wouldn't have turned to drugs or alcohol to ease my pain. If only I had turned to you, right? How many times in your life have you said, if only? I want you to think about that. What would that be for you? Because I heard somebody recently say that everybody is going through either coming out of a season of pain, entering a season of pain, or currently in the thick of it. So look around the room and have compassion because everybody is going through pain and loss and suffering and disappointment. We all are. Or we're just coming out of it, right? We just experienced it and we need help. 
if only. Write that at the top of your page. Lord, if only. Yes, what is disappointment? The death of a dream, death of a plan, death of a loved one. Some of you in this room just experienced the death of a loved one this week. And I think that this statement that Martha makes, if only you had been here, is so foundational for me because it shows me I can be open and honest with God. He doesn't sidestep it. Martha comes and says it, and then John John could have easily said, Martha and her sister Mary came to Jesus, and, and they were disappointed. He could have said that. But he says, Martha came, and she said, if only you had been here. And then separately, her sister Mary also comes. And she runs to the feet of Jesus, and she says the exact same thing. That's significant. John wants us to wrestle with that statement. Lord, if only you had been here, things could have been different. But Jesus doesn't sidestep our disappointments. He engages them. He enters into them. See, after Mary comes, Jesus sees her weeping. And then he looks around and he sees her friends weeping. And Jesus can't hold it in anymore. He breaks down into tears. And Jesus wept. Two words, easiest memory verse. (laughs) Jesus wept. Right? But this is a powerful verse because it shows Jesus' humanness. He didn't say, hey, Mary, Mary, get up, get up, get up. Like, it's all going to be okay. How quickly do we enter into a disappointment or a season of loss and somebody says, it's okay. You're like, the the next thing's coming right around the corner. It's okay, you know, like, you still got this over here. And, you know, everything's going to be fine. And I hate that, right? Don't you hate that when you're like, I'm, I'm crying here. I'm weeping. And somebody's like, oh, just buck up. You know, like, everything's going to be fine. Don't you hate that? But Jesus sees her weeping, sees her friends weeping, and he engages that emotion. And some of you need to hear that today. That Jesus doesn't sidestep your disappointments. He wants to walk through it with you. I've done some research on just grief and loss. And uh, Cloud and Townsend and, and so many other just Christian counselors say, you know, there are four things. If you can create a system for these four things, you can handle grief really well from a Christian perspective, right? And number one is, is to approach Jesus. Now, these aren't the stages of grief, but this is how, if you can create a system where you have these four things, then then you can handle grief, and you can be prepared when it comes your way. Approach Jesus. And we see that with Martha. What does she do when Jesus reaches Bethany? She runs to him. Jesus doesn't say, hey, get up, Martha. You know, come on, Mary, let's go. He, He lets Mary come to his feet. He lets Martha come and be honest to him. And Jesus even says, come to me those who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants us to engage him in our darkest moments. Approach Jesus. But number two, we should be open and honest about our disappointments. 
Jesus doesn't want us to just move past him. He wants us to pray to him. He wants us to be honest and journal about those things. He wants us to pray with other people and community. And that's the third thing. Surround yourself with community because you can't go through it by yourself. And I think that there, you know, when you think about Jesus wept, did Jesus weep when he saw Martha? Did he weep when he saw Mary? He wept when he saw Mary and all of her friends that had been mourning with her. There's something powerful about community walking through a season of life. And if we have that, then we, surely we can withstand grief and seasons of loss because it's part of the human experience. We're going to have trouble. That's the promise. And then number four, create margin for a new thing. And we're going to get to this one in, in just a minute. The band's going to come back up in a second. And uh, we're going to give an opportunity for you. Just We're going to play a song, and we're going to come back up with the second statement second thing in this story that has really changed me, but I want us to sit here for just a second because I don't think we take time enough to give God our open, honest disappointments. The things that we've gone through. And so maybe for you, you've, you need to light a candle to say, God is giving me a new dream, a new season. Maybe for you, you need to take that if-only statement, if-only, that disappointment, and you bring it up to the cross, pin it to the cross and say, God, I wanted you to be here, and I waited, and this thing in my life, it died, right? Maybe you just need to stand and sing, sing out to God. Or maybe you need to pray with somebody in the back in this corner over here, because community is important when we're going through grief and loss and changes of seasons. But I want us to just take a last time, take some time to share our disappointment with God. When was the last time you did that? With tears, with honesty. I want us to sit here just for a second. Because Jesus doesn't sidestep it. He walks right into it. He engages us in it. or whatever that thing is, that burden, to God. Because sometimes we don't choose to enter seasons of loss. The seasons of loss and disappointment, they happen to us, right? We see people violated. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there. That's only part of the story. And if God just left us in our disappointment and the sorrow, right, it, we, we would be hopeless. He doesn't leave us with our disappointments. You see, um, Martha says, Lord, she comes to him and says, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But then she says something else. And this, I'm on the journey of, like exploring, like, what does, this, what does this mean for me? What does this look like for me? And she says, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. But even now, in the midst of the pain and loss and disappointment, even now, I know that you're creating a new thing. 
my question is, do we have margin for that kind of faith and hope? Have we created a little bit of space that, you know, in the midst of this, maybe there's something else that's being birthed out of it, right? Maybe like a seed. A seed has to die in order for the tree to blossom and grow. Or when we're, you're hiking up the mountain and you, you look around you and, and, it's, and it's hard work and you look around you and you say, well, like, this is beautiful, but, like, surely there's, there's a mountaintop experience, right? Surely there's, there's hope that I'll get to the top or that tree will blossom or that Jesus will, will restore and renew this pain in my life. And Jesus' response to Martha, I love this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe that in the midst of whatever death or suffering or pain you're experiencing, that God could create something new? If you have no margin for that, you'll stay in that state of hopelessness. But there is power in the possibility. There is power in the possibility that maybe out of this story could come something new. There's power in the possibility that maybe God is doing something inside me or through me or around me that I wasn't even aware of, right? It's been four days. And Jesus weeps, and then he says, take me to the tomb. And he had him roll away the stone. And he shouts out, Lazarus, come forth. Now, if you put yourself in the story, <laughs> you don't know the end, right? We have the, we have the hindsight bias. We know what happens. But put yourself in the story like, oh, my gosh, if this doesn't work, <laughs> right? What happens if Jesus' Lazarus come forth? There's silence, right? Jesus' Lazarus come forth. And he comes stumbling out, I imagine, in grave clothes, like, like, what is happening? Like a mummy. And maybe in the story, we're, we're Martha, we're Mary, but maybe we're Lazarus. And maybe Jesus is saying, come forth. Cameron, come forth. John, come forth. Kelly, come forth. And experience me. Because I am the resurrection See, this is where we miss it. Is sometimes we think, you know, a season ends, so I'm just going to be busy doing something else. I'm going to create a new opportunity. I'm going to do a new thing. We don't sit in it. We don't wait in it. We don't approach Jesus. We're not open and honest. We bury it. We go on to the next thing. And this is where we, we experience addiction and hopelessness and depression. And this is where we experience, like, putting our faith into other things. Jesus said, just, just come to me because I have the power. I have the possibility. Not those other things. The possibility is in me. Come forth. There's this great quote. 
Each time a door closes, the rest of the world opens up. All we need to do is stop pounding on the door that just closed. Do you do that? Do you pound on the door? Why? If only, man, I can't believe, like, I'm going to force it. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to redo the dream. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it happen. And we get so hard-nosed. Just turn around and welcome the largeness of life that now lies open to our souls. Jesus is that life. Jesus is the largeness of life that lies open before us. With our back to the door, we look out and we see this world of possibility. But Jesus might be, right? We have this tinge of hope. Jesus might be doing something else in the midst of it. So if you wrote down on your, on your top of your page, Lord, if only, whatever that was, that statement, that, that season of disappointment or loss, maybe you put a period there, but turn that period into a comma. Because sometimes we put a period where, where God puts a comma. And write, but even now. And take that this week and think about it. But even now, Jesus is restoring my strength to, to pursue the next thing. But even now, I find hope in times of, of sadness and loss. But even now, and Jesus says, don't look past me. Look right at me. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm standing right here. Do you believe this? So your homework this week is to go back and just go through the story of Lazarus again and put yourself in the story. Who are Martha, Mary, Lazarus? I don't think God's done writing that story. Don't put a period where he puts a comma. So as we sing, just, just think about, God, what are you doing in me? What new thing, what new possibility are you stirring up? within me? What thing have you called me to? And just give that over to him. Let him define what that is. But don't look past Jesus. Approach him. Give it to him. He doesn't sidestep it, so we shouldn't sidestep it. What is that new thing that we this week, but even now, can give over to Jesus, for him to create a new opportunity, new life, and a new possibility. So this week, may you go and recognize, I don't know why I held on to these shoes. That is a sign of my disappointment, maybe, thinking, oh, someday my kids will want to wear this, which they won't. But in the back of my mind, it was like, maybe I'll have a son I can give these to someday. And God has blessed me with two sons. And so you never know when a season of your life could lead to a new door, a new opportunity. So as you go today, be reminded that even now, God is doing something special. And you may not see it, but he is. And that's what we experience every single day. He says, I am the resurrection and life. And he says, I died on that cross. You may have life. I am the resurrection and I am life. So go today and be overjoyed with the new life that he is bringing in in, in the midst of your pain and challenge and difficulty. Amen?
So go. That's my prayer for you. Love you. We'll see you back here again next week. Thank you.